So I'll tell you why I grouped them all together, right? The fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh step. Because I feel like they're all one, they're all one motion, right? There's an action, and then there's a bunch of kind of internal process that happens right? through the fourth, fifth, and sixth step. And I want to read a little bit from the start off with a little bit from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, right before the fourth step. Uh, on page 64 resentment is the number one offender right it destroys more alcoholics of course replace whatever addicts whatever uh, than anything else right? from it stems all forms of spiritual disease for we have been not only mentally and physically ill we have been spiritually sick uh, when the spiritual malady is overcome we straighten, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, and principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves, why were we angry? In most cases, <coughs> it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries, right? Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sexual relations, which had been uh, inferred with? Interfered with? <laughs> we're, so this... There's something that is common through this, just, just this statement, our. That I believe that resentment is about the I and the ego. And so coming to terms with this false sense of I is really all that Buddhism is about. Right? Uh, freedom from the bondage of self is promised. In the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous or 12 steps of recovery. And freedom from the bondage of self is promised in Buddhism. It's actually the self that creates our suffering. So these steps are essentially about looking at how behavior and identity are the cause of our suffering. In our lives and the lives of others. So behavior and identity. I'm not going to get too much into identity today because it's a huge topic um, and it's kind of uh, the foundation of, of uh, Buddhist philosophy. If you stick around and come to more groups and stuff, we'll definitely not talk about it. But just it's important, I think, to remember. So resentment is the number one offender. Right? So me meaning what? Right, Leads us again and again Away from peace of mind and freedom from self. So this resentment that we that we hold, that we build, that is usually about something that has to do with I, me, or mine, that we tend to hold on to. So step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Well, this happens every time we close our eyes, right? Uh, the the when we can actually focus. That where the mind goes is usually about past or future, 
about rehashing or rehearsing. Right? The moral inventory machine of the mind replays old hurts and mistreatments and plans how we can avoid future pain. This is mostly what our experience is just filled with. Right? And like I kind of said earlier, it's, uh, it's, it's, our in, it's, in, it's instinct. It's counter-instinctual to try to live in this moment and just be free in this moment. To have freedom, peace. Because uh, for evolutionary reasons, we've been constantly scanning our surroundings. right? Things that are, bring pleasure, we want more of. Oh, pleasure, ease, comfort. Right? And things that uh, bring pain or uncomfortable feelings, we want less of. We push away. So there's this constant kind of jostling back and forth. So also we can see uh, how we have failed to live up to our own ideals, right? Or the ideals that were placed upon us, right? This plays out in guilt and shame in our minds while meditating. So there is uh, so much rehashing and rehearsing that we spend most of our time in meditation doing this, right? I already kind of said that. Trying to see uh, this process and come back to the present moment. This, this is what we're doing. This is, this is what all of mindfulness meditation is about. All of what Vipassana, insight meditation is about. Seeing when we get lost, caught in a story of the past, you know, rehashing Oh, I should have done it differently. And oh, if they wouldn't have done that, and I wouldn't have done this. And then even like around, you know, kind of like relapse or, or even the thought of relapse or just our, what, whatever you did right before you got here. How many people thought about what you did before you got here? Rehashed something that came up during the day? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. This is what our conditioning is. This is the instinctual behavior of the mind and we're trying to be counter instinctual we're trying to go against the mind's tendency towards greed hatred and ignorance that's the whole process of what meditation is about yeah so it is actually in the present moment that we can find freedom from all of our resentments and fears in Buddhism, the understanding of resentment is that it's is that it is anger frozen in the heart. So resentment is anger frozen in the heart. Anger is an emotion. It comes up, it stays for a time, and it leaves. Just like every other emotion. Just like every other feeling. Right? But resentment is when we freeze it. I found that to be really helpful. So the process, and well, and through the process of present time awareness, we can uh, begin to let go of resentment, right? And allow the ice to melt into water. Water flows. And then allow the water to dissipate into mist. And then it just disappears. That this is really our, that, and this is our, the natural process of, of emotion, of feeling coming through this body, this body-mind. And it's when we hold on to it, and it solidifies and becomes us, a personality. I am this way. Right? I used to say all the time, I am angry. I am angry. 
You know, I am anger. I'm an angry person. I used to say that all the time because that's what I was told. You're really angry all the time when I was a kid. And so I, I thought I had to be angry. And so through seeing, okay, well, what's anger about? Okay, well, it was this and this and this. And there were some definite reasons to be angry. But then holding on to those reasons and rehashing them all the time, right, kept me locked in that space. So by finding some, some way to kind of ease, that's what this meditation process is about. Same thing with pain. It's a, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain. And I just like that the vision of ice it's the same thing. Ice, water, mist. It's the same thing. But it's a process of, it's a natural process, but it's also just a process of softening, of letting go. You know, of breaking apart. So sometimes we get so locked into holding. And that's what resentment is about, holding. And so the fourth step is about looking at what you're holding and ultimately seeing it actually as illusionary. And usually we have a really big part in why we're holding on to what happened in the first place. <laughs> you know, so that's part of the process. So holding on to anger and resentment is like hoping for a better past. Holding on to anger and resentment is like hoping for a better past. I just love that statement. It does nothing for us in the here and now, in the moment. Protection is the illusion of holding on to resentment. So oftentimes, right, I'm resentful because this happened and I'm going to hold on to it so that I can always remember, not ever do that again, right? That's an illusion of protection. We need to remember, but to hold on to the resentment is not helpful at all. I mean, it doesn't really do anything good for us, right? Except for keep us locked in that loop of, of don't do that, don't do that again, don't do that again. You know, shame and guilt is very similar. Right? Don't do that again because, you know, you hurt people. Don't do that again because people will, you know, make fun of you, whatever. You know, it's, that, it's a loop that we constantly run. Again, I, me, and mine. It's part of the personality, part of the role. Yeah. So forgiveness really comes into play here, right? Forgiveness is letting go of the hope for a better past. Uh, Jack Cornfield said that. Forgiveness is letting go of hope for a better past. That's all it is. And so it seems kind of simple, you know. We'll get into forgiveness. It comes later. Sixth, seventh step. So the teaching of karma can be really helpful in letting go, right? The teaching of karma in, in the short version is <clears throat> um, all people are heir to their own karma, right? Karma is, is a, a momentum of action. So if you live in a good way, if you are non-harming, then the karmic momentum of that Will, will play itself out. But don't try to make it happen and don't try to figure out what happened in the past that you're having negative karma now. That just makes you crazy. I mean, literally, the Buddha said, uh, uh, trying to figure out your karma causes vexation and insanity. 
Not helpful. Not freedom. You know. But how much is that rehearsing? Right? And rehashing. How much are we rehashing? Gosh, that must be why. Because I did this and I did that. And then the guilt and the shame comes on top of it. Just not helpful. Whatever happened, happened. Whatever the karmic result of is the karmic result. Um, it's said that that the law of karma, it's a universal law, and it's like the law of gravity. We don't question gravity. It just is. It just is. It's a universal law. And from the Buddhist perspective, so is karma. So I think it's helpful to understand that. So I'm going to read a little bit more kind of about from the Buddhist perspective of, of, of holding on to kind of anger and resentment. This is from the Bodhisattva vow, which is a, um, a Mahayana tradition. The understanding of Bodhisattva is a, uh, a person who in, instead of becomes enlightened, uh, they stay just before reaching enlightenment to help kind of teach others yeah, and bring others to the path. So it's a very kind of noble undertaking. So in the Bodhisattva vow, if you hold on to the sharp pain of thoughts, of anger, your mind can know no peace, no happiness, no pleasure. Sleep stays away and the mind remains unsettled. I mean, how many people can relate to that? Right? The unsettled mind. Sleep stays away. I remember this line from this... um, poem and I can't remember anything else besides uh, uh, you can't escape midnight which the in the poem meant that when you lay down at the end of the day and your mind is completely chattering about all their bad advice and all the things that you wish you could have done differently right this is kind of what this is talking about you know, or the all of the faces of the people that you're pissed off at from that day. You know, this is the resentment. This is the holding on to. This is how we live our lives, and this is why we seek pleasure <laughs> and to numb out. This is where the constant kind of the draw to 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 numb out, to stuff feelings and emotions, to shut off the mind. I used to always say that. I just want to shut off my head. And it never worked, <laughs> you know. And my my experience is that it won't ever work until you're dead, or until you really learn to embrace the moment and live in a way that is less harming. Then we don't have to waste so much time because we know, you know, we know that our day was filled with the best intention to do the best things. I'll get more into that. So seeing anger or pain as an opportunity to practice compassion. Compassion for yourself. Compassion for others. Right? And then there's this, there's this story about working with resentment and anger. Suppose that without an ounce of effort, you came across a treasure chest hidden in your house. You should feel grateful for your enemies who aid you in your practice. So as if your enemies, the people that are difficult, the people that cut you off, your boss that yells at you and says you're doing a horrible job, are actually, uh, some people say they're Buddhas. 
and, and they're, they're there, or they're bodhisattvas, and they're there to help you. To in that moment of conflict, you can practice. You know, compassion, forgiveness. And also having compassion and forgiveness for ourselves, right? That's the key. Yeah. So this is the teachings of Jesus Christ. This is the teachings of the Buddha, right? Love your enemy and the practice of patience and forgiveness. You know, so through Christianity, through Buddhism, it's a connection. So only by letting go can we find freedom from anger, hatred, addiction, and so on, right? The process of the fourth step is seeing clearly these resentments and to look at the causes and conditions of which they arise. Right? So the causes and conditions, looking at our part. Because we have a part. But seeing our part in each incident, right, we can begin to see how the ego or Mara is trying to keep us separate. So the ego is that sense of self, that sense of I'm separate from, I'm better than, I'm less than. Right? Mara in the story of, of Buddhism, uh, in the story of the Buddha's enlightenment, Mara is the evil one, right? The, the, uh, the corrupter of the Buddha and all of us. Really, the mind's qualities of greed, hatred, and ignorance, right? That this is really what, so, so there's this image that's given time and time again, and this is part of the image, this earth-touching gesture of um, the Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree, under this tree, and uh, determined to become enlightened. And Mara, right, which is really the mind, the ego, the one that, the, the, the part of you that wants to pull you off of the breath, off of the moment. The part of you that wants you to fall asleep during meditation. The part of you that wants you to be constantly craving the next pleasure. Knowing that it will always leave you feeling bankrupt. It will always leave you wanting. Right? I never took one hit of crack feeling completely contented. <laughs> Not one. You know, I never smoked one joint, drank one beer, just feeling, oh yeah, that's perfect. Always was in search for the eternal buzz, the eternal just right, that comfort. Never came. Never came. Through meditation practice, through 12 steps, through doing my own work, through looking at my part and how I was trying to just numb out and push away that which is true. I was able to kind of, more more was revealed. I was able to kind of come to a place of contentment, of comfort, of ease. So only by letting go can we find freedom from anger, hatred, and addiction. By seeing our part, by seeing our part in each incident, we can begin to see how the ego, right, keeps us separate. Of course, there are those hurts and mistreatments that we didn't have a part in. Right? Things that were horrible that happened to us. All of us. But that's the thing. They happened to all of us. Not specifically. Right? Not specifically. Right? But they do happen. 
And they have happened. We all have them, right? But it's not my pain. It's actually our pain. It's not my feelings. It's actually our feelings. That's really what the Buddha is pointing to around separateness. When we get so locked into I, me, and mine, then we're separate. And we're not actually connected in that kind of freedom way. So that's why the Sangha, the community, is so important. This is also where the um, the serenity prayer comes into play. I love the serenity prayer. It's my favorite prayer. Right? And so uh, you could take the word God out or leave the word God in. Right? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Pretty big right there. Grant me the serenity, the peace of mind to accept the things I cannot change. Right? The courage to change the things I can. So yeah, there's some action. There's some things you can you can change. And the wisdom to know the difference. Equanimity is that. There's a Buddhist prayer just like it. It goes like this. If there, it's actually not a prayer, right? It's a reflection. It's again from the Bodhisattva vow. If there is something you can do about it, why should you feel upset? Just do something about it. If there is nothing that can be done or nothing you can do about it, what use is it being upset? There's nothing that can be done except the things you cannot change. Right? Kind of like the serenity prayer. It's a Buddhist serenity prayer. So I really like that. If there is something you can do about it, whatever it is, why be upset? And if there's nothing that you can do about it, then what use is it to be upset? You know? Accept the things you cannot change. So in doing the fourth step, we're looking at that which we can change and that which we can't. And coming to some acceptance of that. Looking at resentments. Seeing how resentments are really not helpful for us. They actually just harm us. Keep us locked in our own prisons. The prison of self. So I'm going to read a little. I'm doing pretty good. Fifth step. I'm going to read a little piece from this is the 12 and 12. Like I had said to you guys in the very beginning, I, I'm kind of a, a straight dope, uncut individual, right? Alcoholics Anonymous is the first 12 steps that was ever created. Uh, Vipassana or Theravadan Buddhism is the uh, is the the straight teachings of the Buddha. Unadulterated, un, uh, untra- unchanged, over two thousand five hundred and fifty years, right? So I kind of like to just go straight to the source. This is written by this book was written by Bill W. Bill Wilson, right? The co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step five: admitted to God and to our, ourselves, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Here's what uh, here's what Bill says. All of the AA's twelve steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires against the stream, counter in, uh, instinctual. Right? They all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than five. 
but scarcely any step is more necessary for long-term, long-time sobriety and peace of mind than this one. Because this is getting it out of holding on to the ice of our resentments and holding on to the guilt and shame of our, our wrongdoing. It's getting it out. And it's saying it's not my pain, it's our pain. I'm not actually that unique. I have all the weird quirks that you do. And maybe a few others that other people have. Right? And uh, the thing about meditation and the, the thing that's so amazing about 2,550 years of looking at meditation, that's a long friggin' time, is that the mind is still the mind. And th- these teachings are true just as they were in the time of the Buddha. And the Buddha was, and the Buddha was going against greed, hatred, and delusion in himself and in his society. Right? And we're doing that also. Greed, hatred, and delusion. Yeah. That's what Mara represents. So, so step five, right? The ego must be smashed. Self-centered egos uh, keeps us separate. Separate from our pure light mind. So the idea is that our mind is perfectly enlightened. That we are perfectly enlightened beings. And all that's in the way is all that crap that we hold on to. Right? I see it as like the sky is perfectly blue. Now other times you'll hear me say that the sky isn't blue at all. But the idea that the sky is open and clear and that there's clouds and there's storm and there's uh, uh, and there's pollution in the way. And if you've ever been to L.A. or to a third world country, then you can see how it's different, right? And that that's kind of what's going on in our minds too, in our minds and hearts. Because in Buddhism, mind and heart is actually the same thing. It's mind heart. It's not the brain. It's it's a product of of what can be the brain and the body, consciousness, the mind, where it all kind of where it all is, or isn't actually. So the mind heart, because where is our heart? Where's where do we feel? Most people go right here, right? But there's like a little heart, you know. But it's not really the functional heart. But we point to that. But it's something else, right? It's it's what is called the mind. In Tibetan tradition, um, uh, they say that the, that the mind is right here in the chest, and actually, it's actually right here, constantly around us, or uh, whatever you want to call it. But if you feel emotion, where do you feel it? Usually, somewhere right around here, or in the stomach, or whatever. There's different. It's connected. So mind, heart, pure light, mind, clear awareness, understanding. It's already there. That uh, one of the things that one of my friends, Noah Levine, says is that this is a an, an excavation process. We're excavating our own true nature, but there's a lot of stuff in the way: resentments, hurts, mistreatments patterns, tendencies, ways in which we react to the world instead of respond. So the fourth step is about getting clear about that. Right? 
the fifth step, sixth step, seventh step, is about doing something about what you're getting clear about. Changing your behavior. Looking at your behavior. That's what the fourth step is. That's why people get scared. I don't want to look at my behavior. No, but if you don't, what's going to happen? You're going to actually just play it all out in your mind all the time, whether you're conscious of it or unconscious of it. It just spins around. Right? Recycling the same story about when you were eight. How helpful is that? So not helpful. So there's... I'm going to talk about this last thing and then we'll end. Uh, and I'll, I'll pick up on it next week. That looking at step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. You could take the word, remember I said God, good orderly direction, right? It's fine. You know, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, whatever. Something to take refuge in, right? So we're entirely ready to remove our defects of character, to remove our shortcomings. All right, wait, I got those mixed up. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So actually nothing happens though. If you've ever worked at this step, you know, I remember the first time I did, I prayed my ass off. Remove these defects of character, remove And then I would go and I'd be like, screw you and da 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 cut people off and, you know, throw stuff at people and still be mean. I was still, I still acted out in greed, hatred and delusion every day. But what happened is I became much more aware of it. Right? The, and the, the key with the sixth step is awareness. This meditation process is about awareness. It's amazing, right? Nothing gets taken away. We have to actually do the work. This is the doing of the work. The, uh, in, in, in Buddhism, they, they, they look at it this way. Unmeritous and meritous action. right? Or unwholesome, unskillful action. Wholesome, skillful action. Unwholesome, unskillful action leads to negative karma. Right? Skillful action leads to positive karma. Ten pathways to unwholesome action. Bodily misconduct. We'll look at bodily misconduct. Killing. Right? Uh, stealing. Sexual misconduct. These are bodily misconduct. These, these things uh, lead to negative karma. Unwholesome states of mind. Right. Speech along the lines of speech, lying, malicious speech, harsh speech, or idle chatter, meaning gossip. Right. These things cause not only see the thing about karma is karma causes uh, uh, an unpleasant sensation, and there's a karmic repercussion in the moment when you're talking bad about someone. You know it, you feel it, and then there's a, maybe there's a little pull. Right, a little bit of pleasure, like oh, like it's a getting back. It's like a bad pleasure, right? So the good kind of of fun, you know, the good kind of uh, pleasure that has a, a, a repercussion to it, right? So it happens in the moment, and then it happens after. Oh, remorse. Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have regret. And then maybe it comes back to that other person, and then it comes back to you. There's a third wave of karmic repercussion. Maybe someone talks bad about you. You know, so there's just every one of these things. There's that. There's an immediate response that we all know if we're really paying attention to our heart and mind. Any time that I've ever stolen, I used to steal a lot. I was a klepto for sure. 
I had to go see a therapist when I was like 15 because I couldn't stop stealing things. Right? Up till my mid-20s. <laughs> you know? But there was always a feeling inside. There was a, it's a good-bad feeling. I got, I got, I was greedy, I got something. But then always, this is not leading to my ultimate freedom. I knew it. So whether it's killing or stealing or sexual misconduct, same thing. Right? Whether it's lying, malicious speech, harsh speech, idle chatter. So mental misconduct, covetousness, right? Wanting, envy, right? Ill will. God, I wish that person would just go and get loaded and get out of that meeting. Or whatever, you know? Whatever it is. I wish that person didn't have so much money, you know? They're so much rich. They're so rich and they're so spoiled. You know, whatever the ill will, wishing bad upon others. Right? And then wrong view, meaning uh, not really seeing the, the, this karma, not understanding karma. Um, and then the, the, the four noble truths of Buddhist principle. This is considered wrong view if you're not able to kind of see that. Also can, can lead to negative karma because we're not, you don't care about any of this stuff we're talking about. So um, this is unwholesome, right? So the 10 pathways, the antidotes. The, the things that we can focus on. The ten pathways of wholesome action. Right? Bodily conduct. Compassion. Compassionate to all living beings. Right? Protecting life. Abandoning uh, the destruction of life. Uh, uh, abandoning, uh, taking that which is not freely given. Right? Abandoning sexual misconduct. And in the next week, when, uh, when we talk about six and seven a little more, we'll we'll get we'll get more into that. So verbal conduct, spe- uh, speaking that which is true, right? Only speaking the truth, right? Uh, abstaining from gossip, speaks gently, so as to not be harsh. This is something that's very hard for me. Um, speaks uh, when it's timely or appropriate, so not just idle chatter. Just talking for the sake of talking. This is where this is why there's a lot of noble silence when you go into meditation retreats. To teach people how to keep their mouths shut. It's helpful. Mental conduct, right? Uh, rejoices in the success of others. So as opposed to covetousness. Right? This battles envy. It's called mudita. Uh, selfless joy. Joy in the in the uh, and the success of others. Free of ill will. Um, wishes for beings to be free from suffering. Right. So metta, loving kindness. So this is the, the wholesome and unwholesome uh, states of mind and actions that we can kind of set into the world. So four and five are really looking clearly and then admitting, seeing how we're not that much different than everyone else. And being and letting go of some ego and self and selfishness, and then looking into okay, how can we act right? We're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Okay, so that means action. What do you got to do? Something different. You can't just magically. You can't just be in. A, I used to hear this all the time. You can't just lock yourself in a closet and pray for your life to get better or for a meal to come to you, right? That you have to actually. You actually have to go out. And make it happen through your own effort, right? 
that your your uh, character defects won't just be removed. Sorry. It takes action. And so uh, next week we'll we'll look at six and seven a little more deeply and looking at how how can we actually change this behavior? How can we go against the mind's tendency towards greed, hatred, and delusion? It's actually not that hard. The Buddha, the Buddha actually put it out pretty simply. And so did the program. So we'll look at that in the next week or two. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.